0: Good morning to everyone. It's uh, an absolute privilege to be sharing with my uh, Coro Church family today, uh, here and also via the live stream and uh, to others as uh, this message goes out today as well. I uh, would like to also add a very uh, happy Mother's Day to all mums um, that are here and uh, elsewhere and also to special women that uh, fulfil Really important role in the lives of uh, all of us. Uh, the, you might be an aunt, you might be a grandmother, um, or similar. We honour you today. I have the special privilege of having my parents with us today, and uh, I would like to take this opportunity to honour my mum. Uh, Dad, you'll have to be around on Father's Day. <laughs> Actually, um, to both of them, to, to my mum and dad, uh, thank you for all you are and thank you for all you've done for me and the rest of our family. This morning we continue our Love One Another series and we look at the call for us to encourage one another. But before we unpack that, let's, uh, let's pray together. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, We thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you that it is to serve many purposes. And one of those purposes is to encourage us, Father. We pray that by your spirit this morning, uh, you'll give us hearts that are um, open to the message that you have for us, Father. By your spirit, not by my words, dear Lord, but by your spirit, Father. We thank you um, for the opportunity to gather here, for the fellowship that we have, to be able to encourage one another as well, Father. And we're also mindful of those that are joining us from elsewhere, Father. We pray that uh, you'll be with them also as we share together. Amen. Friends, let me introduce you to someone this morning. We've already heard from uh, Mika, which was just a wonderful uh, story of her life testimony. I want to share with you uh, about someone else this morning as well. This man grew up in a loving family. He always knew that he was loved and had the support of his parents Close relationship with his grandparents and other members of his extended family. He was honest, trustworthy, hardworking, held high morals, honoured his parents, was a good student, enjoyed a range of sports, loved the outdoors, had a broad array of friends. Growing up, this young man did not experience the life of the church. He did not know God, although there were times in his childhood where he encountered the Bible. Discussions with his father and grandfather about characters in the Bible and accounts of events in history. Discussions around the existence of God. At one time, an explanation that God lives in our hearts and supernatural experiences praying during times of anxiety or anguish uh, to God, and a sense that God was listening. Meeting a young woman at university was the intersection of many things, including love and faith. After sharing the first year as classmates, and regular interactions on campus, yet this young man would start a journey of life and faith at the age of 18. It actually all started in the back of a Datsun 1600 and not how you might imagine that experience for an 18-year-old guy. Deep discussion on the meaning of life and everything else then led to the first experience of church and fellowship with other Christians. It would soon lead this young man to come to terms with his sin, his hopelessness, and an understanding of forgiveness, reconciliation, and assurance of eternal hope. He was baptised, started fellowshipping at a local church, and with the Christian students group on campus at university. This young man was fortunate to have many people at significant times in his early life demonstrate love to him through encouragement, by word, by deed, and what I would like to call the silent encourager. As a youngster, his parents praised him for his school grades and achievements at various sports. His parents provided him an environment at home where he felt nurtured and safe and practical means and life experiences that would help him reach his potential. As a new young Christian, he received encouragement by growing connections in the faith at church, in his wider family, and Christian group at university. This young man also came to learn that this group of young Christian university students had been diligently and passionately praying for him and encouraging him by stealth for the 12 months prior to him coming to faith. He also learned later in his life that there were some faithful family members who, no doubt during their lifetime had prayed for the future generations of their own family. One person, I'm sure, was his great-grandmother. Now, friends, I may have been describing a snapshot of your life testimony right now. Then again, perhaps your life experience has been quite different What if I was to introduce you to someone who has just lost a close friend? Someone who has just started tertiary study and is not sure they've made the right decision on their course of study. Someone who, after many years as a diligent and dedicated employee, has just had their role made redundant. Someone whose four-year-old son has just been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or someone who, after many years of struggling with anxiety, is making positive steps forward with help and the support of their family and friends. Whilst fictional, these people and their situations may well be present in our own congregation... Their situations are different, but they all share one thing in common. They're all in need of the ministry of encouragement from the members of the body of Christ. They're in need of you and me to encourage them. This morning, I want you to look with me at what the Apostle Paul has to say in the church in Thessalonica regarding that command that was read for us this morning therefore encourage one another and build each other up just uh, just in fact as you are doing what does scripture mean by encouragement when the apostle paul says encourage one another and build each other up what are we actually being asked to do Perhaps Paul is building upon what Jesus said earlier to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Whilst it's a good thing to show affection for one another, what it's actually talking about here is putting love and faith into action. In Ephesians 4, Paul touches on it further, where he speaks about speaking the truth in love, verse 15, and putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. And we, we, we had that touched on a little bit earlier this morning. Many of us know speaking the truth in love is not easy. It requires grace, it requires patience, and sometimes even perseverance. And did I mention it requires grace? We speak the truth in love by encouraging one another. Now, I'm no Greek scholar, nor have I studied the Greek as you might in college. I understand from my uh, research preparing for this morning that the word for encouragement here that we read in the passage is parakaleo. In the original biblical manuscripts, parakaleo means to call alongside. In the ancient world, the image is someone who has been fighting in battle and you come to their side, encourage them to fight on and finish that battle. The related words to encourage here are counsel, comfort, console, urge, appeal, exhort. As I was preparing for today, it caused me to reflect on how I have approached this at times. Worldly encouragement, if I can call it that, is where the onus is on you. It's on me. The objective is to build someone up, to make them feel good, to make them feel bigger and, dare I say it, maybe make you feel good and bigger too. Worldly encouragement can also lend itself from the children's story that we all know, the little engine that could. You might remember the phrase, I think I can, I think I can applying here to the person trying to navigate how they might encourage someone, but also to the counsel that they might give. I think you can. I think you can. By contrast, listen to what Paul writes in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is reading from verse 13 through to 17. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word, of mouth, or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? back to the word parakaleo to call alongside are you doing this this is the challenge for us as christians and how are you doing this in what ways are you ministering to the members of the body of christ that gives them encouragement with sensitivity with compassion with love just as Jesus demonstrated for us when we read the account of his life and ministry, to see the people that we encourage responds with greater faith, with hope and with perseverance. The scripture illustrates that encouragement is the communication of God's truth in love in ways that strengthen members of the body of Christ to go on following God's will. And what's the end game of encouragement? Why do we encourage one another? Why are we called to encourage one another? It's pointing to Jesus, to what he has done on the cross and in the resurrection and what this means for us in focusing us on our eternal hope as we navigate life's challenges and opportunities. Paul in Thessalonians speaks to the end game of hope, Christ's return. That's what we have ahead of us. As Christians, we're living in eternity. Let's not forget that. Let's never stop encouraging each other in that. Now, the need for encouragement assumes that sometimes we're discouraged, maybe disappointed, maybe even lose hope. And we see that in the church in Thessalonica. Paul, in the passage that we read or that was read for us, was led to address a specific matter, and we'll touch on that matter um, a little bit later. But how did Paul respond? Did he respond with a hard word, a sigh of frustration, a stamp of the foot maybe? Well, we can't be certain about the last two because it's not in the scripture, is it? But clearly we see in our reading Paul respond with sensitivity and we see him respond with compassion, the response modelled by Jesus himself in, in many situations. The need for encouragement also assumes that we are all called to minister to one another. Who's called to minister to one another? You and me, all of us. And this is not an exclusive calling of the church leadership. Yes, some may have more capacity to uh, to be able to minister in certain ways, But Christ expects it of all his followers. How are you doing with this? Do you see opportunities to minister to one another? We're all familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one body, many parts. And verse 12, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part of it. We are all called to encourage one another to come alongside. Let's briefly look at the way the Bible repeatedly offers encouragement to believers and then we'll touch on the passage from Thessalonians. How did Paul provide encouragement to believers? Well, there's lots of examples that we could look at. Let's take a look at a few. Paul often encouraged by recognising significant accomplishments of others. So let's firstly have a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 2 to 8. Reading from verse 2. Remember, this is Paul uh praising people or providing uh, encouragement um, when there has been significant accomplishments. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. For you know how we lived among you for your sake. Verse 6 through to 8, is this is where the real encouragement is that Paul gives. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Secondly, another example of where Paul encouraged Christians to go on um, despite facing Severe persecution is in Galatians. We turn to Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Reading for verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Now, it's easy for us to focus on our flaws and failures, isn't it? We do it all of the time. It's easy for us to focus on what we can't do rather than what we can do in Christ and uh, Paul encouraged by focusing people's attention on their position in Christ, their potential in Christ. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 to 9. Reading from verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank for you. Uh, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus for in, for in him, you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because, of our te- because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not like any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Paul also encouraged by communicating God's faithfulness to the fallen and to those who are struggling. And that was actually read for us in uh, chapter 4 of um, 1 Thessalonians, verses 14 and 18. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So and so we believe that God will bring him, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. So we see Paul in his ministry, right throughout scripture, encouraging people encouraging the people of God now if we move to the passage in Thessalonians what matter was Paul addressing for the church in Thessalonica we can read about it starting in verse 13 of chapter 4 if Jesus Christ has promised to return and take his people to himself how do we explain what happens to fellow believers who die? Are they beyond hope of the resurrection? Is God not being faithful to His word? Now, these are serious questions to which people will respond in different ways. And one way is fear. Paul explains that this matter should not leave us without hope. In verse, uh, sorry, in chapter five. Paul then addresses two possible responses. Firstly, let's call it the non-preferred response, to try and speculate the date of Christ's return. In verse 2, Paul says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Don't try and speculate because no one knows the date. No one knows when the Lord is going to return. Secondly, let's call it the preferred response. Verse 6, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. What does that mean for the church? What did it mean for the church then? And what does it mean for the church now? As Paul says be alert, be active in the work of the kingdom of Christ, always looking to Jesus' return. I read this and I think, what does it mean for the way that I approach everything in my life, my relationships, how I spend my time, my parenting, and so on? Paul tells the church, and it's a message for us today, You're not without hope. Did you also notice when the passage was read to us the way Paul ministers? If you ask my family, if you ask my family, lecturing them around their fear and anxiety is actually usually the start. It's easy to default to that approach. I think Paul's approach is a little bit more effective Recall the word parakaleo that we talked about earlier. He comes to their side. He says, I understand your heavy heart. I understand your fear. When a loved one passes and you're not sure where they've gone or where they're going. What basis did Paul give for this hope? What basis did Paul give for the hope that he speaks about here in the passage? Firstly, verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He points us to Jesus. Quite a contrast to potential alternative responses. Stay positive. Keep your chin up. Secondly, verse 10, he died for us so that when we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We get to live with him for eternity and nothing can separate us from Jesus. So how does Paul minister to the church in Thessalonica navigating these issues? shape up, get your act together. Sorry, I was actually reading from Callan's Guide to Parenting 101 for a moment there. Fortunately, after 24 years of parenting, there's a revised edition on its way. So let's rewind. Verse 11, Paul says, encourage one another and build each other up. So how do we minister to one another? How do we minister in a way that encourages? How do we encourage one another to persevere in the faith? How do we instill hope, this hope that we've been talking about? A simple gesture, a handshake, a hug, maybe even a fist pump. It's saying, I acknowledge you, I care about you. Paul in Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Is that something that we're doing? Taking time to visit someone is a way of demonstrating your love and that you're concerned about their well-being, about their physical well-being, about their mental well-being, about their spiritual well-being. There's a ministry in the word. We can encourage each other by communicating the truth of God's word in simple ways, but sincere ways. It might be a note. It might be a letter. It might be a card or an email. It might be an SMS where you've given careful thought to how you're going to encourage someone. What about listening? It takes an investment of time and effort to carefully listen to someone, doesn't it? Learn to listen. I speak to myself here. Don't come with the artillery loaded, ready to shoot down a problem. Sometimes it's a case of being a friend and demonstrating patience. And did I mention grace earlier? One thing that's clear in Paul's ministry is that when he encourages, he does so by drawing on the teachings of Christ. We also we also need to be able to use God's word skillfully if we're going to encourage people biblically. It's being open to the leading of the spirit to give us the word, It's not pulling the pin and throwing the hand grenade and hoping it will have an impact. Change and transformation in people's lives, in people's hearts, takes time. It happens slowly. And it's not us that transform people. It's the spirit that transforms people's hearts. You must be willing to invest yourself over the long term. Recall what I said earlier about the young man and the encouragement he received from the group of young Christian university students. It was an investment over time. It's an awesome thing that God's given us his word, isn't it? And that word, says the Apostle Paul, to Timothy is sufficient. Reading from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient to be used to minister in any and every situation you can possibly imagine. Now, all of this assumes that we are perceptive to what's going on around us, that I'm perceptive of what's going on around me, that you're perceptive of what's going on around you. The fictional situations that I shared earlier they may well not be too far off situations faced by people around you today. The Spirit leads us and equips us to minister to our brothers and sisters who are lonely, who are suffering, maybe even wrestling in their faith. But you might ask yourself this morning, How can I do this? I'm not equipped. I'm not trained. Godly counsel is the calling of the church. It's your calling and it's my calling. It involves ongoing practice. Are you in the word? Do you meditate on the word? Do you want to be skillful at it? But we also need to keep in mind for what purpose? Let me read from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 6. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth, with one heart and mouth, you may glorify God and and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's revisit the young man from earlier. Encouragement by word and deed had a significant impact on the life of this young man. And what about the silent encourager? I mentioned silent encourager earlier. Prayer. There is no doubt the faithful prayers of many had a significant impact on the faith journey of this young man. We may not see the fruit of our encouragement for years, maybe not even our lifetime, but know that the seed of encouragement that you help plant may one day germinate and grow and bear fruit that will flow on for generations. Let me speak for a moment about another man. This man was devoted to God's people and active in the work of ministry such that he was given the name which means son of encouragement. This this man was Barnabas. Wouldn't it be awesome if in this congregation we could be known as sons and daughters of encouragement, skillful in the word, able to minister to those around us, able to not only acknowledge but put into practice what the Apostle Paul says to us this morning. Therefore, church, encourage one another, build each other up just as you are doing. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward now. We're going to stand and sing a song in a moment. But before we do that, you may be listening this morning and you may have questions. You may be unsure about your relationship with Jesus. Like the young man I spoke about earlier, he was surrounded by the encouragement of others his whole life to that point. But at 18, when faced with the question of where his hope was and what he put his hope in, he reached a life-changing intersection. If you'd like to speak to someone this morning, after the service, please connect with someone. It might be a pastor, it might be an elder, it might be just the person sitting next to you. As brothers and sisters of encouragement, we'd love to listen, maybe pray with you, maybe pray for you.